Trails of troubles, rows of battles, fans of victory, we shall walk. Good afternoon. Welcome to WEHC 90.7, and you're tuning in to She Walks. We're excited. We've been, we're celebrating a year, a little over a year of being She Walks, right, Carly? I think, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, we, we, we may have a celebration. We don't know. But anyway, we, we, we've been doing this a good while. And so we're, we're excited about still being on air and still being here and wanting to have conversations with you and uh, continue to send us emails and uh, conversations to the station, wherever it is that you want, you want to know more about what we think we know. We want to have those kind of conversations with you. So get in touch with us. And um, it, you can reach either one of us at Emory and Henry. Uh, S Bowers at ehc.edu and and my email is cblaylock at ehc.edu. Yeah, so we're here and we want to keep talking to you. But today we're excited. Last week we were here. I hope you listened and we talked about uh, the Tri Pride Festival and parade and how all that is in our community and how we're proud to be part of the Emory and Henry's faculty and staff and how they celebrate Tri-Pride and people who are part of that community as well as allies in a meaningful way. And as we started to talk about it, we thought, well, let's talk a little bit more about belonging. And so today we're going to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, but we're going to talk primarily about the belonging and talk to you a little bit about that change and the direction that Emory and Henry is going into and why we think that is so important. So we're going to talk about that today. And and most people say, Carly, they oh, Carly, did you say hi? I sort of. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going on, talking, 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 talking. But um, a lot of people now are no longer just saying diversity, equity, inclusion, leaving it there. A lot of people are changing and they're doing diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. And some people are highlighting belonging. And so a lot of the research is out there about belonging. So it's really part of the future. It's here. It's not going to go anywhere. And it's real important. So Carly and I are going to talk a little bit about that today and just kind of bob and weave and go in and talk a little bit about the shifts from DEI to DEIB. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a conversation that is happening in workplaces and colleges and organizations everywhere, right? about including the belonging piece and why that's important. And I have a few articles for us, but one of the main ones I'm gonna be referencing today is from um, Viewpoint, belonging is the missing piece in the fight for inclusion. So basically looking at the lens of inclusion through the lens of belonging, right? And, you know, why is belonging important and how to, what are actionable things that we can do to foster that sense of belonging? And And it be a real belonging, right? I think sometimes when we talk about diversity, we can talk about it in a very intellectual way. And we, you know, we talk about statistics and we talk about what diversity looks like and how we should encourage diversity and celebrate diversity, which is all incredible and very, very good. But sometimes we can miss that actionable piece. And I think that's where belonging comes in because you have to take action. People aren't just going to naturally feel like they belong. You have to actually do things in order to foster belonging, right? Yeah, and and I think, Carly, one of the things that people sometimes who are advocating the belonging and and just showing its importance, especially in the work environment, they're saying that you have to have belonging because diversity, equity, inclusion is not enough in a society or in a workplace or in an environment that is inherently biased. Yes, absolutely. 
in the article that I just referenced, research shows that 30% of Black employees do not feel a sense of belonging in their workplace. And so I, I, you know, I don't know if that is a conservative estimate. <laughs> it kind of feels like it might be, but you know, that that is a very real thing, right? So I would say personally, Carly, I would say, yeah, because I've been in an environment where I've been the only Mm -hmm. and one is a lonely number. And, and sometimes people never, never imagine how it feels for you to be the only person. And especially in white dominant culture, because white dominant culture is rarely ever the only because it's their culture and they have the privilege to not go into an environment where they are the only. So they're not gonna go to quote unquote, the black side of town or the Latino or Hispanic side. They have the privilege not to do that. On the other hand, people from those cultures have to interact in a white dominant culture. And so it, it is, I bet, those, I bet those stats are out because you probably have some people who say, oh, I feel great, but they're lying. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I think on a survey, they'd say that. (laughs) Anytime that we talk about, you know, DEI survey data, I think we always know that it's a conservative estimate because you're exactly right, Pete. Some people just don't want to talk about it or they don't feel comfortable disclosing how they feel, right? And what you said about culture is so important. And this article talks about we need to start thinking about culture ad, not culture fit. So you'll hear people talk about, does this person fit our culture? Are they a good fit for us, right? And unfortunately, what they mean a lot of the times is, are they going to do their job and not, quote unquote, cause trouble, right? And so we need to start thinking about adding to the culture when we are recruiting people for our college or people to do a job. Um, What this article says is that homogeneous workplaces are typically less innovative and lower performing and fall into the trap of groupthink. The top 33% of gender and racial diversity, those companies that, that prize that and that work for that, outperform the bottom quartile. Racially and ethnic diverse companies are also 87% better at decision-making than homogeneous companies and enjoy revenues that are 1.4 times higher. And, and it, it gets, it's hard for people to see that and to see it as value added because it's uncomfortable for dominant, and especially white dominant society, it's uncomfortable to have to change or to have to embrace, or to have to experience someone else's culture. And yet the people from the, the subordinate quote unquote group, they are always having to say, well, how can I fit in? And when we talk about things like you said, fit, are they a good fit for this company? Sometimes that's like social similarity. Are they socially similar to us? Not what do they bring to the table? Not what can they add? Not what does their culture add? Not even what do they add as a person? Sometimes it's like, do they fit? And, and it's even more I think ask, are they, like you said earlier, are they going to cause us any trouble? Mm-hmm. And if they're going to cause us trouble, or I just read an article recently about this woman. I can't think what her name is. Oh, she, she might be a, a chef or a cook and she, oh, she got, is do you know Tabitha, that story? Tabitha Brown. Yes. What, what is she exactly? Does she, she started, I think she started on TikTok actually. And she's yes. a vegan, she's a vegan chef. She would always like be kind of cooking from her, you know, not really from a recipe, just kind of from her mind. And she'd be like, add a little spice. That's your business. So she would like say, that's your business. <laughs> well, I just read an article where she, she, it was a statement that she made and she was affirming who she was and she, they moved her slot. I guess they had a cooking show for her on the network. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. at a at a prime time and they moved her and it must be they must have moved her saying that she needed to do this 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 and this and what they were trying to do was change her and she made a big statement and she said i am tab this is the way tab does it and so she had this grit this real long litany but what she was actually saying is you make me feel like i don't belong here when i present as myself Mm-hmm. The only way that I can belong is if I present how you want me to present or how you think I, I should present. And I mean, she was ethnic. She had her hairstyle. She said, I'm not going to change my hairstyle. I'm not going to do this is who I am. And I stand on record, she said, to be Tab. Tab does this. Tab does that. And she went through this whole and I thought, wow. And then I thought how that must feel in the workplace, especially if you're supposed to be the star. And everybody around you is saying, you're a star, but in order for you to keep your stardom, you need to do this, this, and this, which kind of goes against, it's kind of like that approach avoidance. You know, they want what you bring to the table. And this has happened to me a million times. They want what you bring to the table, but they don't want it for very long, or they don't want to have to make excuses, they feel to make excuses for you. Or even the idea of like, you're a novelty. Your ideas are interesting and new, and this is great. This is going to help innovate. And then the moment that, you know, that kind of newness has worn off, then, well, okay, now we can do something else. And I think that happens a lot to diverse populations, underrepresented populations. And another actionable thing that um, this article puts forth is acknowledging that unconscious bias, right, that we all have, but that leadership really needs to, to look at their unconscious biases, right? And it, it's acknowledging, too, that some people do this and they don't even realize that's what they're doing. And so when we talk about this stuff, some leaders may think, oh, I don't do that, right? When if they were to look at their actions, they might actually do that. So this article says, you know, that you need to be vulnerable to openly acknowledge any biases that you may have. Um, don't rec- don't claim color, age, or gender blindness. Right, that is not a thing. Right. Um, <laughs> and then recognizing unintentional bias helps create a le- helps create learning moments that move organizations towards inclusion. So yeah, I, I guess that's where they're saying that you know it's not enough for us to talk the talk, but we have to actually walk the walk. And I know those are old cliche words, but it really is, we can say that we celebrate diversity, we celebrate equity, you know, we celebrate inclusion, but get to where someone feels that that is really going on. And that's their experience is the challenge that, uh, you know, we're facing now. Workplaces is is uh, really having that challenge. And there was an article, I think it was by, it was a blog maybe by, um, I don't know, some diversity group, but one of the things, oh, I think it was Achievers Workforce Institute. And they had some key factors. And and I thought this was interesting, Carly. This is along the line of what you're saying. It says that belonging positively, this is three things. They said belonging positively affects retention. And the article said that 40% of the respondents with a strong sense of belonging rarely think about looking for a job elsewhere versus 5% of respondents with a low sense of belonging. And I mean, we just put a pin in that right there for a few minutes before we go on to the other two, because if companies or corporations or universities or colleges, or if they could see uh, retention, sometimes is because people don't feel like they belong. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where exit interviews and all of that stuff is so important. And I always encourage people to be very honest in their exit yeah. <laughs> interviews, um, because I think that is 
so important and so true, right? Majority of people who are leaving, they're maybe they are looking for a job with better pay or whatever, but most of the time, there's also that additional piece of, I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel like I'm valued or my voice is heard, right? And, and I've been in those places before. I don't know if you have, and maybe some of our listening audience has, but it's a real yucky feeling. It is so yucky to go somewhere day after day after day where you feel like you don't belong, where you feel like your opinion doesn't matter, or better yet, where somebody's going to steal your ideas and make them their own. And, 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 and then here now we talk about, you know, the great resignation and we act like that's the only thing that is causing people to leave. Well, I don't exactly, I don't know what the stats say regarding that, but I don't exactly think about that think that it's totally true because there are some people who are leaving a specific company or corporation or university or school or college, but they're going on to work somewhere else. So they're not resigning to not work if I can't work from home, you know, and all those other things that go into that. They're really saying, I don't fit here, or this is not a good fit, or I don't feel like I belong. So I'm going to go try to do what I do, but do it somewhere else. Right. I think that's, in, that's very true. And I think there's also this sense of like, you are not seeing my humanity, right? And I think that is why people are leaving their, you know, maybe traditional corporate jobs and looking either for things that are more flexible, some work from home options, but they're also seeking out companies and corporations and organizations that have their same values and that are going to see the humanity and in their employees. And I think that's incredibly important. Yeah. And there are some, you know, trying to get that workplace balance thing. It is so real and we act like it doesn't matter, but with more and more people with young children, more and more people having, and especially women, and we've talked about this before, but having to care for children or for aged parents, it's, 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 it's a bomb. I mean, it's really not a good thing at all. And so feeling like you belong, like somebody supporting you in what you need to do or what you need to take care of is real important. Yeah, exactly. And we we're talking about belonging, you know, definitely through the lens of DEI, but just in general, I mean, everyone wants to feel like they belong in their workplace and that their humanity is valued. And, and what we, I guess what I mean by that is, like you said, acknowledging that I am a whole person, that I have a life outside of this place and that I have responsibilities and things I have to do and think about and care for. And, you know, yes, my job is important to me, but it's also, these other things are also important to me, right? And trying to find that balance. And that's been a problem forever. And especially since we do this from an intersectional feminist perspective for women, it's been just <clears throat> real difficult. Mm-hmm. The second thing they said, Carly, I wanted us to respond to each one of these. It says that it boosts productivity. Yes. Their research suggests that 45% of the respondents with a strong sense of belonging say they are their most productive self at work with only 6% of those with a low sense of belonging say that. So I guess, are they saying if you feel, I don't know, if you feel good, you'll do good. Or if you, you know, something along those lines. I absolutely think so. I mean, if you if you feel valued and appreciated and seen, then of course you're going to put in extra effort. You're going to feel um, you're going to want to bring your best self to the table. If you bring yourself to the table and you're not appreciated and you're not seen and you're not heard, then why would you bother bringing your best self to the table, right? 
And I think you're exactly right. And both both the article um, that I was just referencing, and then I also have a another um, article actually from Cornell University talking about when a person can bring their authentic self to work, they are more engaged and able to contribute. Um, employee engagement represents levels of enthusiasm and connection that individuals have with their organization. And it has a major, it's a major player um, on performance and retention. So not just are we going to keep people in this job, but how well are they going to perform while performing this job? Yeah, because you I mean it's kind of like what you won't do, you do for the love. I think it's Bobby Codwell that sings that song, saying you try everything, but you won't give up. So you will put everything you have in it if you feel like you're getting something out of it, and if you feel like you're respected and you're honored and all those things. And so I could see how if I felt like I belonged there, I would bring my most productive self to work, and especially if my ideas. If I felt like the things that I was thinking about, and if I had a place and a space to try some of them out without judgment, without, oh, you're going to make a, if you had that kind of thing, I think that would be, I, I could see how feeling like I belong because in a family or in a relationship, you, you don't, you're not always living under the threat that you, you're going to get kicked out, but on a job where you don't really belong or where you don't feel like you belong, you may be living under the threat of, if I do this, this is going to happen. So I'm just not going to do anything. And I think too, that, you know, I think we sometimes forget just how much time we spend at work and with our coworkers and our, you know, bosses and, you know, all of that, we spend a lot of time together. So it's important that you feel valued and appreciated and, and understood, right? Because you're spending so much of your time there and so much of your energy and your creativity and your output and your productivity and all that. And, you know, a lot of people want to do a good job just for good job's sake, right? But it's very difficult to keep that motivation if you are working in an environment where you don't feel like you belong. And so if you, if you do, fostering that belonging is so important to keep employees happy and healthy and mentally healthy, right? Because you are spending so much time at this, at this place that you, you know, you work. So yes, yeah, some people, especially young people, they say my work wife or my work husband, you know, <laughs> and they, they say that affectionately because the truth is that you do spend all that time. And I, I'm older than Carly for you listeners who haven't had the pleasure of seeing us and guessing that, but I'll go ahead and say I'm older than Carly. And I, when I think that many of my friends, my lifetime friends, many of them are workplace friends. Yeah. You know, it just started. And I, I just saw the other week when I went to Princeton, I just saw two of my friends from the eighties who we worked together. That's how we became friends. Then we started traveling together. We started. And so they are meaningful to me. And so yeah, it is important to do that. And then the third thing, real quick, Carly, I know we're, we're losing time here, but it, the third thing they said was, this was the Achievers Workforce Institute. The thing, third thing they said, it's the best kind of employer branding. Oh, yeah. They said 51% of the respondents with a strong sense of belonging would recommend their company as a great place to work versus 4% of those with a low sense of belonging. And that's also very true, right? People talk, <laughs> people talk to each other. And, you know, if you are someone who is a large corporation or a large organization and you're hiring a lot of positions, that is a great way for word of mouth to get your name out there is if it's like, oh, I love working here. And, you know, I really feel this sense of belonging and I feel appreciated <laughs> and seen and valued. And if you, if you're saying that people are going to be like, well, I want to go work there. Right. So that is, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's one of the, when I read that article, I thought, well, that's one of the least things 
that corporations, companies, colleges, universities, workplaces think about. They don't think about that, you know, this is the this is the face or this is the voice that people hear. And so I, I think that's critical. You know, I think there was some research a long time ago that said, oh, one person who has a negative experience can uh, affect 42 others in that. I, I guess those stats are probably changed now. This was years ago, but it's a lot. So, you know, if one person has a bad experience and they talk about that, there'll be some people who just won't go based on the person that gave them that information. Right. And negative people who have a negative experience tend to be more vocal than people who have positive experiences, which is kind of the nature of humans. But um, if you have a lot of people who are having these overwhelmingly positive experiences, they are going to talk. So that's really important. I think one of the things that, uh, that we're small here at Emory and Henry. And so I think we have, you know, an, an awesome opportunity to, not be so departmentalized and to work together cooperatively and collaboratively. And I, I think sometimes we do reach across the aisle, so to speak. We reach across to other departments and, and work well together. I don't think that, for me personally, there is a few exceptions, but for the most part, I have always felt welcome in whatever meeting I was in with whomever it was. I mean, because we need each other. We, mm-hmm. we have to feel like it. And then I've been where I've worked off campus and I've come back and man, I felt good. People, oh, there you are. <laughs> where have you been? We missed you, you know? And so that's felt good to, to, you know, to come back. And I've seen that do with other people. It's not just, I'm just not an anomaly. It just doesn't happen to me. I've seen it happen with other people too. Right. I think you're right because we are so small and we are pretty close knit and, you know, we value the work that each other does to help keep this place running. Right. And, um, and you do feel that. And I think feeling that appreciation for your feeling that your work is appreciated and that you were appreciated as a person absolutely makes you, you know, makes you want to continue to do the work. Right. You remember years ago, and I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I of think course. it's changed now. And so don't <laughs> quote us on this because it has changed. It's no longer the same hierarchical need with, you know, physiological safety, love and belonging, esteem, and then actually to self-actualize. But I do think that it is someone's, it's an intrinsic kind of thing. Your motivation is really tied to belonging. And, and I think we're wired that way. We're wired to be in community. We're wired to be in relationship. We're wired to be in friendship. We're 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 just wired to be places where we feel that we are loved and we feel we belong. I use this adage over and again. I know Carly's raising her eye because she's heard me say it so many times, but I often quote that I'm a cheers kind of girl. I like going where everybody knows my name and they're so glad I came. And really all I'm saying is I I just like going where I feel like I belong. I feel a sense of belonging. It matters. It matters most to me. And I think it matters a lot to other people as well. Yeah, especially in something like your workplace, which no matter how much you love your job or no matter how well you feel like you, um, you fit your job, you know, work is stressful and no one wants to feel like they're in it alone. And so that creating those meaningful connections is incredibly important. This Cornell um, posting, they have a a place on their website called A Sense of Belonging. Um, Mm. And it's listed under their diversity and inclusion initiatives. 
they actually have four initiatives listed that they recommend in order to create a sense of belonging and an actual sense of belonging, right? The first is create intentional connections, right? Which we've talked about, you know, bringing people together is very important. Think about how teams are structured, how groups can be brought together to solve specific problems and how offices are organized. So that all falls under those like connection pieces, right? They talk about building trusting relationships. And for this, they suggest having a formal or informal mentorship program, which I think is very cool. Their, their third suggestion is invite opinions and perspectives into the conversation, ask for input and ideas from all members and be clear about how decisions will be made. Um, so not only am I asking you for your opinion and your input, but how am I going to utilize that opinion and that input? I think that that's mm-hmm. really important. And then their fourth point is engage in purposeful storytelling. Encourage employees to share their individual stories, understand aspects of each other's lives, um, and dissolve interpersonal barriers and uh, to help show the many layers, dimensions, and experiences about a person that we otherwise wouldn't know. And again, this, this helps people to be seen, right? This is the, goes back to that humanity piece of seeing the whole person being very holistic in how we approach each other, right? I mean, I know Cornell's a big university, but I could buy into that because it really is well with others to achieve that purpose, goals, whatever it is. I mean, it's, I don't want to be working on something that doesn't seem like it has any real value or that it's really going to make a difference. And so I, I think it's important we talk about inclusion and belonging and they're, they're similar. I mean, I want to be included on everything, but more than just included, I want to feel like I've got something invested in this. Yeah. You know, win, lose, or draw. I'm in it. I'm not, I'm not just periphery. I'm just not on the outside watching everybody else do it. I want to be in there doing it so that when we, you know, it, we used to have this thing in, in the corporate America called teams and it said together, everyone achieves more success. And it was corny, but it was also true because it does make a difference when you're working together and you and you see the end result or the end product. It's something to celebrate that you did together. Who did it? We did it. Not I did it. Who did it? We did it. Yeah. And that's why I love that piece about like, not only am I asking you for your input and your ideas, but I'm going to tell you how I'm going to use those things, right? Or, or how, what our end goal is. And I think that's incredibly important because not only is a sense of belonging, like, you know, you matter, right? But also your mm-hmm. ideas and your productivity matter. And we're doing this together. We're all in this together. And again, like you said, that's very cheesy, but the more that you do feel like that, the more you're going to want to be a value part of the team, right? Yeah, I remember when you said that, I thought about an old song. You you probably bypassed this, but when I was in school, a lot of a lot of early childhood was about getting along well with others. And they even used to get you give you a grade. Sharon gets along well with others, or Sharon does not get along well with others. And we used to sing these songs, the more we get together, 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 the more we get together, the happier we'll be. For your friends are my friends, and my friends are your friends, the more we get together. And, you know, when you think about it, that's, to me, that's kind of a an, an old corny song, but a way of, of saying how this belonging actually comes to existence. It comes to existence by the more we get together, the more we see the humanity of, of one another, the more we have regard and respect for one another, even in our differences, mm-hmm. it makes me feel safe and feel like I belong. Yes. And that safety piece is really what we're talking about here. Not just your physical safety, but feeling you are safe enough to show up as your authentic self and be valued in that. And that's a huge piece of belonging. 
So when people now see diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, it's not like we just got tired and we stuck something else on there. We, we realized that it was not enough to do diversity. It was not enough to do equity. It was not enough to do inclusion because all those by themselves are good. And then together they work well. But if there's not a sense of belonging, then there are always opportunities for breakdowns. Yeah, I think that's an, a very fair point. And I think when we talk about the belonging piece is is the value part of that, right? Of how we want people to feel. And that's kind of a different conversation. So um, I'm really glad that we are including that at Emory and Henry in our DEI and B office. Um, and I'm really happy that a lot of other places are having those same conversations. But real, the last thing I wanted to say is that, Carly, I really do believe that belonging is the key to employee or workplace engagement. And um, that, that, that circles around all the things that we talked about today, you know, that, that it's real important for us to have this feeling and this sense that we're safe and that we belong, that what we say matters, what we do matters. And, and I think that will keep us engaged in a meaningful way. And again, make the workplace more productive, all those things we talked about earlier. That's yes, my I, last one. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. <laughs> and I think, I think that's an incredible jumping off point for us to have some further conversations, some future conversations. We would like to ex to um, continue to explore leadership, which we have explored in the past, but maybe doing it through this new belonging lens, which would be really great. Um, and also talk a little bit about student leadership and why student leadership is so important on college campuses. So look forward to those conversations in the future. And if you have any suggested topics for us that you would like us to cover or explore a little bit, feel free to email us, as we said, our email at the beginning of the episode. So we look forward to seeing you in future episodes. Thank you all so much. Okay, find yourself a place to belong. Pass of the victory, we shall walk.